Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a podcast that primarily serves as a sexual health communications resource. And as of late, uh, I've been breaking down podcast episodes into clusters and groups of just where I think people will be able to uh, like go and get certain things that they be, may be looking for out of it. And what I came to realize is that I have a lot of self-help episodes. Like they're very like, you know, um, you're able to take something from it, go reflect on it, apply it to your life and really see the value of it. So this podcast in that sense is really shifting in a way that people's experiences and their stories have served as a way of guiding people to a point of recognizing what they need for themselves. And while here you see like that you have a lot of options to explore as far as how to not just navigate your herpes diagnosis, but what your herpes diagnosis may represent for you or the underlying emotions behind them. And you get to see how other people are dealing with them and then be able to go on and uh, utilize whatever lessons you learn and apply to your day to day life. So uh, one of those popular episodes, two of those (laughs) popular episodes that fall under the sort of self-help category belong to a good friend of mine, Clarice Connolly. Hey, that's me. Yeah, it's all right. So you are the most popular something positive for positive people podcast guest by default because you've been on this will be your third episode. So okay, I've interviewed one person twice, and I've interviewed you twice. And you've got still time. You've got more downloads already. So because you'll have a third episode, then you should have more downloads. (laughs) Yeah. If it happens, it happens. If it happens, it happens. All right. So this is kind of like a thank you type thing. I didn't want to tell you. but I know. I have no <laughs> idea what we're in for, and I'm here for it. Well, um, I just actually signed a contract for a $10,000 grant that I completely forgot like what the details of it were until I saw the contract. And so this grant is going to be for me to record 12 podcast episodes. And uh, there's like a specific topic, but I'll discuss that with the people that I'm going to be interviewing. And that money has to go to labor, which means I get to pay myself $10,000 over the course of this grant. And the thank you really comes in from like you as a person and being like as supportive as you have been and like giving me I don't even want to call it a little gentle nudge to move to Portland because it was like it it was so much more than that like things have been like Courtney move you know don't be here don't be where you are but it was just like a matter of I don't know if it was intuitive or if it was more cerebral for you to time up the Hey, you should come visit. Hey, you should just stay. Hey, <laughs> why don't you live here, right? Just saying. And I don't know, man. I I just I'm very like I'm I'm thankful to that because I even as the host of this as I just labeled it self-help podcast, 
don't necessarily take my own advice, regardless how much advice or guidance that I may give mm. to people. Mm. So you, to me, represent like we, we have parallels in mm-hmm. our lives. Mm-hmm. And I think that our openness with one another and our friendship like allows for us to very transparently communicate to the other person what we're seeing with the other person, mm-hmm. mainly because like we also see it in ourselves. Right? Oh, absolutely. And so I want to just begin with the fact that like you are a coach and it's a really smooth segue because in my last podcast episode, I interviewed a former athlete mm. and we were talking about like how you go out into the world after having played a sport and you've had so much structure and detail mm-hmm. of what your day looks like. You've got practices, you've got games, you've got things to look forward to, you've got teammates, accountability, you've got to watch game film, you've got skills to work on, you're giving like grades and things to progress through and work towards and you have a coach or you have a coaching staff mm-hmm. and a team around you mm-hmm. to the minute you're done with athletics, nothing. Mm-hmm. You don't have that anymore. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of my former teammates, and I mean, I'll even include myself in this, like just neandering through life, having had such structure. Mm-hmm. Like there's only really two directions that you can go. And I'm sure there's like a one-off here and there, but you'll either become the coach yourself of your own life or mm-hmm. you'll seek out Things and people that will serve as replacements for the void that that coach, the absence of your coach, your team has now created for yourself. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, you've you've given me sort of these gentle nudges in that direction as a coach, like, but through friendship. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't necessarily have like a specific question. But if there's anything that you want to add to the comment about like transitioning from this sort of structure of being a former athlete Mm -hmm. to all of a sudden having to go out into the real world, like Mm -hmm. I would love to hear whatever thoughts you have on that. Yeah, um, absolutely. I was thinking, I mean, I I was a swimmer. That was sort of my sport. Um, Oh, the last guest was a a swimmer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I, I swam competitively, I mean, probably since I was like eight or nine up until you know, my senior year in high school, um, I went to community college first, so there definitely wasn't like a swim team there. Um, but what, when you said it, what came up for me is that, you know, I did graduate college and then I got done and was sort of like, okay, where's my life guidance counselor? Um, I had that sort of feeling, um, because I felt like, well, who, you know, gives you the, uh, guidance of like, now what do you do? Um, and, man, I think I might have been out of college maybe a year. And then I actually got my herpes diagnosis. Um, And for me, I sought out exactly what you were talking about in self-help books. You know, I felt, I think then, you know, who's living the life that I want to live? And I didn't necessarily have a role model. And I didn't necessarily have an idea of what I actually wanted that to look like per se. Um, you know, I was an East Coaster, born and raised Pittsburgh, and as soon as I graduated college, I went straight to San Diego, uh, nope, California, Sacramento, and then San Diego, so there wasn't, like, anybody I knew that I knew their story and felt like I was similar to or fit into, um, so I can relate, even not having done 
sports at a college level, when you have so much structure and rigor, like this is when your homework, you know, time is, this is when your classes are, this is when you're, you know, able to do free times. And I also worked full time through college. Um, when you lose that structure, you're sort of like, oh, now what, you know, and I even see it sort of in clients who are like, I want out of the corporate world and I want out of the, you know, and I want to work for myself. It's like everybody thinks they don't want the nine to five or they don't want the structure or they don't want the workload or the micromanaging. Um, but when you're not given a construct to like live inside of, you can do many things, you know, I'm not going to stereotype everyone, but it's sort of like one of few where you get a little lazy, get a little comfortable, and then, you know, you lose the motivation or use the things. And we don't have any, you know, quote unquote, riding our ass to get us back into, you know, shape or get us back into that same discipline. Um, And, you know, I think especially unbiased, like without attachment, like, you know, without being your partner that wants you to x you know without being your parent that wants you to y you know i never thought about that until you just said that like thinking about how you know we might look for that coach in other people mm-hmm. i didn't think about the expectations that other people have on us right mm-hmm. with the team everyone's clear on the expectation we win. want to win yeah mm-hmm. but when we seek that coaching uh that that void to be filled with our partner our parent that really does shape what not just like coaching being received looks like or coaching mm-hmm. being given look like but it also like changes our behavior and mm-hmm. we can also mm-hmm. find ourselves in situations that we don't actually want to be in right mm-hmm. yeah absolutely well i mean back to my diagnosis i mean i think i was groomed from a very young age who my parents were you know unhappily married or maybe they're happily married but I'm from the East Coast, so everyone feels like they just complain, right? I don't know. Uh, You know, call it how you see it. But um, I was groomed my whole life that my life purpose was, you know, finding a man, getting married, having children, right? And, um, you know, I think up until my diagnosis, that's what I did. That was my purpose. That's why I'm here. Um, It wasn't until I, you know, buried myself in self-help books because I felt like that thing was taken away from me. No one's going to want me now. Um, did I sort of start to create sort of my own personal life mission to be, you know, everything's a growth opportunity, everything's, you know, an opportunity for me to grow and expand. And, you know, I don't even know how many years later now, I guess almost 10 years later now, I'm like tired of growing and expanding. And I'm finally in that, like, I'm worth it. And I'm enough, like just as I am. And not everything needs to be a lesson. I mean, obviously, that's still my default at my core. And I never you know, I always want to learn more about myself and I always want to, but it's not from that place of like to become good enough and not from that place of like I'm lacking or need to be fixed. Um, and now it's just like, you know, what if life is just about collecting moments? You know, there's no pressure, there's no expectation, there's no attachment. It's just sort of like, oh, what a gift. Um, and I think that that's, you know, sans any influence of what my parents wanted me to do and what way they wanted my life to look like. And, you know, sans any partner who says, you know, we need to travel and visit every city in the world, or we need to be a power couple making a million dollars each, right? Or whatever. I think it's Mm -hmm. from me, you know, distilling out and drilling down. But man, I spent many years living a life, I thought, um, would make my parents proud or that would land me the partner I wanted or the career I was after and and maybe not my happiest years either. One of the, there's actually 
three things that stood out to me that you mentioned that I want to touch on, but I want to go deep into uh, the one that makes the most sense. How, you know, the way that you just spoke about your herpes diagnosis, all right, bam, you got diagnosed and then it challenged everything that you thought about your existence. Everything. It was going to be, all right, bam, find a man, get married, whatever, live this life in this way based on how other people around you have. Absolutely. And so we look at this from the perspective of how many of our decisions that we make are actually our own. Right. Mm. Until something comes in, shakes us up, wakes us up to the idea that, whoa, you know, I've been living, I've been sleepwalking. I've been in this zombie mode Mm -hmm. of just doing what Mm -hmm. I thought I was supposed to do based on other people's expectations and thinking that I'm going to make them happy Mm -hmm. when the reality is like Mm -hmm. other people really don't care about us (laughs) past Mm -hmm. a certain Mm -hmm. point of what can you do for me right Mm -hmm. so the herpes thing was one thing that I wanted to touch on another part of what you said well I guess that was part two was the expectations thing um and a thought that I had while you were speaking was really on this idea that like you don't have to always be growing and oh absolutely i think that addiction is the word that comes to mind Mm. like addiction to me is just like a constant energy field if it's not cigarettes it's going to be another thing that you need to put in your mouth or another thing that's going to give you that whatever the process is of purchasing cigarettes, opening it, uh, putting it to your mouth, lighting it, puffing it, blowing it out, having the interactions that you have with people while smoking, it might just look a little bit different, but Mm -hmm. same, something is going to run your programming in that sense. So what can it be? So if it's I'm going to stop smoking cigarettes, then it goes from your identity being a cigarette smoker to insert whatever you can Mm. apply your addictive personality to which on the opposite end of the spectrum let's call it not smoking so now my identity is centered around who i am as a non-smoker or i'm i'm quitting smoking uh what there's a new language to use around that i forget exactly what it is but uh for someone who is now not smoking you know are you addicted to consuming information that non-smokers consume or are you like structuring your life around what it takes to be a non-smoker or someone who may have always drank and now they're not drinking anymore so they dedicate their life to activities and things that um, only revolve around like avoiding drinking avoiding smoking and I use those examples as like a transition into looking at, you know, making it relatable here, a herpes diagnosis. Like, I think people really become obsessed with what should I eat now that I know that I have herpes? How can I date? Who should I date now that I know that I have herpes? What do I need to do differently now that I know that I have herpes? And I'm using the phrase now that I know that I have herpes because a lot of us have it for a while, our body's managing it, and then we find out the information and all of a sudden want to make abrupt changes rather than utilizing the information that's been given. So I mentioned that uh, last August I had uh, my first outbreak in a long time. It was over the course of a weekend where I did a lot of drinking and I consumed a lot of sugar. Had that outbreak and then recognized that, oh, sugar, a lot of sugar is a trigger for me. 
Fast forward to after I moved to Portland, I go to a doctor's appointment and I find out that I am like at the cusp of becoming pre-diabetic. And it's like, damn, if I didn't have a herpes outbreak, I might have continued to consume sugar at the rate that I was consuming sugar. Mm. So like that information that my body gave me through my herpes outbreak was something that I mean, arguably prevented a lot of long-term potential problems just from that information that's been given. So taking that back full circle to the original point that I was making, um, being like the obsession with growth or the obsession with a thing that's better than its alternative. Like if you go down the road of bad, like being able to just quickly flip and do the opposite of whatever that thing is like from from being uh someone who has herpes you're like oh now i don't want outbreaks i'm gonna do all these things that other people say need to be done i'm gonna consume this information i don't think that it should work like that i think that we should take what we need and then just go on about our business and move on and do what it is that you know we actually want to be doing so for you to be at a place now where it's like all right man i'm tired of growing like i've read all the self-help books i'm tired of like always challenging people around me like and you, you do that for work right yeah so what's what's it like to have gotten tired of growing yeah um i think i wanted to point uh speak to something or sort of challenge something um before i go there but i I hear the like ideal. Yeah. Sounds super ideal if we could not obsess, but I think unfortunately it's, it's humanity. Like I think it's our humanity to go from one thing to the other, like that pendulum swing. I think everybody, yeah. I think everybody sort of baby by default and I can't pretend like I know the human psychology, but only in my personal experience and working with clients, it's sort of like, you know, we may be on the one extreme and then we like go straight to the other extreme and then we realize, Oh, okay. That's like, not my favorite either and then you 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 know the the bliss or the like moment of like aha we've we've come to what is that moderation and what is that middle middle ground um i think that's just sort of how we as humans like figure that out but and another thing that i've sort of learned recently by being coached is sort of um are those of us who do become you know quote unquote obsessed um, I've recognized in me that it's like, is that just an anxious behavior? And those who have, you know, anxious tendencies find themselves a little more, you know, all in or compulsive or, you know, whatever you, it doesn't necessarily need a label, I feel like, but, um, it is sort of something to like, oh, you know, who knew that the need to, um, be so hyper-focused on, you know, X or Y or Z is, you know, or rooted, is, is rooted in a need for control or avoidance of the present moment or, you know, opportunity to escape what's currently happening or, you know, it's sort of the type A that are driven and don't have a thing that's driving them so they place that there. Um, and, and, you know, yeah, I think, you know, mine's been a, I think 10 year run at this point. Um, I will say, and, and, you know, this is like the growth mindset I I pretended like I got rid of. I didn't, um, it's sort of like the best gift that, you know, the pandemic has given me is it's really forced me to slow down. It's really 
had me on my ass, you know, with my first experience of depression, um, it really made now, me. Is this your first experience of depression or is this your first experience of depression and you didn't have like your normal go to potential escapes from it and you had to know that that was what it was? Um, you know, before that experience, I probably would have said maybe, um, but I've never drowned in so much apathy in my entire life. Um, I'm normally the type of person that's able to like get out of bed, no problem, or like has a laundry list of a, a shit ton of stuff I want to get done. Like, and that normally does a trick, but this, this time was like, I want to get out of bed, but I got no reason to, and nothing sounds good, even though I want to do something, right? It just was a very intense, um, not like nothing I've ever experienced. Um, I think before I will own, I had a judgment of like, oh, it's just in your head, right? No, I take that back. I will never say that to anyone ever in my ever, ever. It is a chemical thing. Um, I mean, I was trying to eat right. I was trying to, you know, go on walks and it just, yeah. Oof. Um, but I think it really made me slow down and it made me present to, you know, the, my personal, right. I'm not going to speak for everyone avoidance strategy of like, keep learning, growing, focusing forward, looking at, you know, what it is I want to do and become and, and expand on and, and break up and heal and to like, Ooh, like all the things that are being driven up that are like becoming more present to me and becoming sort of the like, Nope, can no longer look past this, like need to face this. Right. Um, and I think in that it made me realize like oof like it's not terrifying to slow down and face something it's like unnecessary and maybe not the first time you see something you know quote-unquote ugly about yourself right or your you know old traumas or demons sort of face you and poke their head out but when you feel that like oh it's really time to just like sit and make friends with your shadows you know or these pieces, um, it really makes you recognize like, okay, I've been doing this X long amount of time. I suddenly have the confidence to be doing this. I can see all my hard work has paid off. Like I know how to, you know, pull out my, from my tool belt of all these books that I read and all the gems that I've gotten from it, these, you know, tips, tricks, strategies. Um, and it's kind of like subconscious, like it's kind of like, you're like, okay, you know, um, and that has really made me see, um, you know, I, I, I guess maybe like five years ago, I finally was like, I'm done listening to podcasts. I'm done reading books. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. And I think that was such a gift for me because it was like, it forced me to listen to my intuition. Like it forced me to just like trust myself. Like it forced me to realize like, you know, I think the biggest thing, and this doesn't need to be everyone, but it's like in some of the coaching I do and some of the conversations I have, everyone's like, wow, you sound just like Brene Brown. Wow. Like everything that you say, like, you know, about vulnerability, about this, about shame, about that, you know, 
I have never once read a single book about Brene Brown. You better start charging them Brene Brown prices. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, and it's like I, I wonder, uh, what's another one? Uh, Atomic Habits. Mm-hmm. You know, I found this book, Atomic Habits, and I start reading it. It's like, that's exactly how I coach. Never once have I heard that. Never once have I read about that. I have, never once have I, you know, it's like that is everyone. You yeah. know, your author may not be Brene Brown, but it may be Oprah, right? It may not be Oprah, but it may be, you know, and, and Deepak Chopra. It's like we don't, we all are so intuitive and so wise, but like full circle. Um, once we stop getting everyone else's voices out of our heads, you know, our parents, our partners, the societies, right? It's like then and only then can we find our own inner wisdom. It's not convoluted with everybody else's stuff that, you know, makes us confused about is this actually legit? Should I really find, follow my own advice? Uh, you can tell me to cut this out if I need to, like for confidentiality reasons, but I caught the tail end of one of your coaching calls recently. Like when I was coming over, you were like wrapping it up and I could just overhear you from the other room. And you, your approach stood out to me in that like the there was a question that you asked in relation to that person's experience mm-hmm. about whatever it was that they were coming to you about. And we don't have to get into any details at all. Mm-hmm. But the point of me bringing this up was like you asked them a question about something that they had talked to you about before and you pointed this out to them. I don't know what I heard on the other side of the phone, but it sounded like based on the a bit that I heard it was just like you doing that sparked an aha moment for them because I heard like the enthusiasm in your voice afterwards and so I'm someone who has been very anti like uh, and I I, herpes coaches Mm. it it kills me it frustrates me it annoys me that Because I talk to everybody. If anybody reaches out to me, I'll have a conversation with them. And typically they come for a thing about herpes and I will steer them into the direction of recognizing that that's not actually what it is that they're looking for. Right. And so, like, I feel that if people are to look for, like we talked about at the beginning, you know, you're you're wanting to fill the void of just kind of needing someone to tell you what to do, where to be, when to be there, right, those right, kinds of things. Right. It's actually not coming from the person. And I think that this was the first time that I had this thought was listening to you. What you're doing is bringing their voice more volume from within them yeah just by asking the right questions based on what they share with you yeah people are super vulnerable with me i hear a lot of stuff that i should not be hearing from people so i'm better equipped to like ask questions or point people in the direction based on things that they choose to share with me and so i'm kind of like seeing that as well in coaching and looking at that brief one-time interaction like how can that thing that you did bring volume to that person from their own inner voice rather than you being like well here's what you need to do why don't you just try this yeah what does that look like yeah i mean i i went to a coach training school and honestly i mean there's a million out there and so few of them are accredited and i think just sort of the style that i was taught and what i was sort of um you know shown is that there is a differentiation between 
like an advisor is like, I'm a financial advisor. I know numbers. I eat, sleep, breathe numbers. Like I know the market. I study that stuff. I'm going to financially advise you. This is what you need to be doing with your money, right? Um, a consultant, sort of the same concept. Like I've been through it. I own my own business. I'm going to give you some, like, you know, a consultation of what, right? Like um, I just went to one for LASIK, right? It's like this person is an expert in her field and like she consulted me on how my eye, based on my eye, based on what she does and based on the surgery, like would or would not be an ideal candidate, right? And when it comes to coaching, you know, I don't want to knock anybody in this, you know, there's different types and you can absolutely, what works for you works for you is this like opportunity to be someone's, you know, mirror, unbiased support, like biggest cheerleader. And it's, it's, nobody needs another guru. Like nobody needs another voice telling you what to do and how to live your life. Right. It's like kind of like asking a kid to go clean their room. Right. Mom and dad tells a kid to go clean their room. They're like, yeah, okay. You know, you find them three hours later buried in toys or whatever, and they're not cleaning their room. Coaching from my perspective and the way I do it is about like, what do you need? Like, what do you want? And how do I support you in holding you accountable and getting that done? Well, if my answer is, I don't know, then what? (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, I, it's it's really about like, well, unfortunately, like who else is there to ask, right? And and people do know. It's just we're not practiced in answering. Nobody asks enough. Nobody asks us enough. And we certainly don't ask our, ourselves. And when you keep asking the same question, um, you find the answer, right? And that's sort of what I feel like is the importance of a coach is just like drilling in and not letting people slide, right? I could say like, okay, well, that's fine. Moving on. But it's not fine, you know? And that's the thing is that it's, we're so practiced in listening to other people that they know best, but we're not a cookie cutter person. There isn't six versions of us. There's an infinity amount of versions of us. So what works for me may not work for you. And, you know, what in my, you know, sessions with people it's really about like, what is that first thing that bubbles up? And this week, let's try it. You come back next week and it didn't work. We look at what's the next thing we can try. And it's essentially building trust in yourself, either for the first time or again, because we don't trust ourselves to follow our own inner knowing or follow our own sort of first thought, best thought. And that's, that takes practice, like going to the gym. Yeah. You might want to do a hundred pushups, but the first time you're probably going to do two and fall flat on your face, right? You're flexing a brand new set of skills and muscles. And that, that's the same thing for trusting yourself. That's the same thing for knowing what you want. And I always play this game of like gradient, right? You might not know what house kind of house you want or might not know what kind of partner you want or career you want for the rest of your life, but you do like a, you do know what you want to wear on a day-to-day basis or you know what you want to eat on a meal-to-meal basis and you just got to recognize like, oh, I do know what I want and start small and then you get like, you know, the build the gradient of like, you know, what do you want to do for your weekend? What kind of trip do you want to take, right? Um, and we, we forget that along the way because we're so busy focusing on, you know, the comparisonitis of like, what's everybody else doing? You know, um, what's society make us feel like we should be doing? And you know, like you said, living for other people. And, you know, it's it takes practice and it takes the willingness and, and uh, the courage to just build that trust in ourselves. 
I had, and I say had, a friend, we're not friends anymore, who said to me one day, he was like, I was in a situation, I came to him, my friend, and I'm talking to him like, you know, I need help, I don't know what to do, this is something that I'm clueless in, and he was like, do you not listen to your own podcast? And I think that that was like an aha moment for me, because that was like, a way that I understood, why don't you take your own advice? Mm. And I wonder if people, you know, do or don't have the kind of friends that they can go to and get that real response from. Mm. But I also like bringing it back to herpes just because it makes sense here. I am the person a lot of people come to about herpes stuff because, again, they think it's herpes stuff. Mm -hmm. I happen to be open about my status. I happen to be accessible and available. And I'm also low risk. And this is what makes me think about this is you were talking about like those micro wants Mm -hmm. and knowing what you want, micro, micro, micro. And the more practice that you get, you can go into macro needs Mm -hmm. and vacations Mm -hmm. and longer term commitments. And so... I feel like being low risk, I am a great avoidance or substitute from a person having to go to what would be a macro want Mm -hmm. or need, Mm -hmm. which is having themselves, their identities validated by a loved one, friend, partner that they can go to and say, hey, I am struggling with this thing. And Mm -hmm. that person being able to use the same language that was used on me, Mm -hmm. but in a way that they understand. So Courtney's, do you listen to your own podcast? Maybe Billy's, uh, do you walk your own dog? Do you take your own advice? I I don't, I don't know. I didn't really have an analogy on the spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Close, but you missed the mark. But I get it. I think that, um, and I, and, and that's sort of where, um, at least in my opinion, is that it's like, do you even exist inside of friendships, romantic relationships, family, that allows you to feel safe to do so, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and if you hadn't, like, you know, how do you seek that out, you know? and And all of this is so philosophical and so, you know, abstract, because if you don't even have that, this may be like, how the, f-, you know, you know, and I'm sorry. And like, I think that's why so many of us have, you know, social media. So there is liking the people that, you know, are liking the same things that you like and you can expand that, you know, horizon and obviously probably why you hear from so many people. Um, and the world is such a huge place, but sometimes, you know, being from a small city, um, it just feels like, I didn't know anybody that lived outside of these, you know, um, area codes. And I didn't know anybody that thought like I did. And not everybody has the courage to just pick up and move across country. And that's totally fine. And this, the, in this day and age, I mean, it's like liking a certain Facebook group or, you know, Insta uh, account. And, you know, that could be your micro decision. And I remember when all of this, you know, started... Um, when I moved to California, I'm like, wow, all these memes, they're so positive and uplifting. And I was such a negative, bleak, jaded, you know, human because I, you know, felt like my dreams to be sort of a entrepreneur in a working class town where everybody, you know, inherited their parents' business or became, you know, whatever, uh, 
he was just like, oh, I'm going to move to a place where other people see that they're visionaries and they also believe in, you know, stepping outside the box and expanding their opportunities and possibilities for themselves. And, and I think that that's the importance of community. Like you're saying, it's really, you know, finding other like-minded people who you can encourage each other or call each other forward or, you know, be like, wow, that's a great idea. It's not my idea, but like, I support you in doing that. And I think not pooping on each other's, you know, wild, wild outlandish, you know, dreams, visions, kinks, passions, you know, fill in the blank. Um, and that takes courage in itself as well. And, and right back to trust and learning how to trust yourself. Um, speaking to, uh, I lost it. There was, uh, the, uh, nope. It's I know. Gone. I felt like I was, like, <laughs> I was like, you know, you, you like jump and rope and then you're yeah. like, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to jump uh, in. Uh, oh, uh, nope, nope. I nope. missed it. Um, but I, I mean, just moving forward, I guess what I can say here is uh speaking to the bravery thing you know i think that for me being encouraged to move i mean i didn't move from the east coast to the the pacific northwest i moved from the midwest to the pacific northwest and in that move it wasn't a brave thing it was out of necessity Mm. like my circumstances around me were like okay i'm on this sinking ship of my financial situation of if I'm going to run this nonprofit organization full time, like this isn't going to be where I'm supported and being able to do that. So something has to give. And for me, it was like a, a, an inert, an inherent desire to have this thing that I created continue to exist like it's about consistency for me so i had to like identify what success looks like for me which is consistency am i able to consistently deliver this thing that i'm creating am i able to create opportunities and do so at a consistent level and i feel like like i'm in this place of my path to my purpose or whatever however language you want to use and the reason that I have gotten to this place, the reason that I'm able to say that, the reason that I'm able to um, like like walk in this is not because of bravery. For me, it was out of necessity. Like I had to do something. And I think that some way that we find courage is through necessity. Like I think that people look for the right moment or they look for motivation to do something. And something that I've learned listening to one of my favorite podcasts, um, I forgot who uh, the Jordan Harbinger show, he was interviewing someone that said, like, we don't find motivation to start doing the thing. We start doing the thing. And then the motivation comes for us to continue to do whatever that thing is. And you spoke to depression. Uh, This is what I wanted to touch on. You spoke to your experience with depression. And like for me, especially being a black man, like depression didn't exist in my household. If we were depressed, Mm. you needed to take your ass outside. You needed to go Mm. play. You needed to, you was just bored. Like that's Mm -hmm. what depression was. And I realized now after out of necessity, having to leave that environment, like the environment that I was in and watching like the things around me sort of, I don't want to say crumble the way that they were, but they just weren't really going my way. Like I can even look back and say that I was in a functionally depressed state like I know from watching that show um, Scandal 
Hutch, mm-hmm. one of the characters on there, he was locked in the hole for a really long time. And he was like, when you're in the box, when you're in the hole, you have to have a routine. And that was essentially like a metaphor for depression. So I had a routine. I'd get up, I'd work out, I'd go work, I'd come home, I'd do some podcast stuff. And then I'd probably make time for some video games, eat food, and then like just do it again and again and again. And meanwhile, like having realized what was so important to me, the thing that was important to me was connection. And I wasn't Mm -hmm. feeling connected to um, as myself, you know, again, back to identity validation. I couldn't full time be Courtney H on my chest because I was also like with a friend running a business. So like I had to take those kinds of things in mind. And also with my friend group, like everyone's getting married, everyone's buying houses or buying vehicles, uh, they're they're getting promotions at their job. Like a lot of what they were experiencing versus what I was experiencing, like this is new to me. Like I'm new into the entrepreneurial space and I'm new to like I'm now at a place where I am able to support myself through uh, running my nonprofit full time and like other people just can't relate to that you know seemingly delusional you have to be a little bit delusional to pursue a dream that you have it's like all right i'm gonna pursue this dream or i'm gonna do what works and i felt like a lot of the people around me were doing what they knew worked because again if everyone's operating out of necessity Mm -hmm. like they're having families so they have to be able to support them Mm -hmm. i fortunately don't have anyone who's depending on me so i can take these risks that on the surface like outside looking in you'd call me brave but i'm like uh no i actually like have to do this i'm doing this like i'm scared to have to do things out of like necessity and have to take care of somebody before I'm ready to and like then I'm putting my wants and needs on hold um, yeah. because I have to yeah and I think like a really good point in that and you know I don't know if you actually have this and it would make sense that you do I don't I don't know that I could pinpoint it but um when I just had this conversation with a client yesterday it's like if you're you know if you have this life goal or purpose or this like overarching goal that you're working towards like bringing resources to those you know who found a sex or found themselves having a positive result and they want to be sex positive and and whatever right like that's your like purpose mission connection you know value and producing that and being that and it's sort of this like you know the analogy of like if you're you're taking a boat from America and you're trying to hit Africa right? Like you're looking to get to Nigeria. It's sort of like, yes, ideally you would love to take the straight shot, the quickest, easiest, straight through the middle, like, you know, less mileage directly across the ocean. But the reality is you might have a hurricane, you might have some rough seas, you might have, you know, some sort of island or something that's in the middle that you would run into. And even if you go, you know, five blips off, you know, the the original route you're still going to course correct and go you know towards the general area right so it's sort of this if you can identify you know hey your life goal is family and your life purpose is family and every little micro and macro action that you choose is moving you or supporting your family or you know encouraging family or building family or whatever it is like you're still inside of that larger goal and you know, if you don't have that larger goal, 
um, and you're struggling to make decisions to move, right? Like, or to do whatever, um, you know, that is why it makes it so much harder, like even exponentially harder. If your goal is like, I want to be a successful entrepreneur that makes a difference in a million people's lives and to move means to be able to actually do that. Like, obviously that's why it's a hell yes. Right. If it's, you know, to make a difference in a million animals lives and you move to a city where, you know, there's no animals and you're not going to be able to make anybody's lives better, then it's just like, why, why am I doing this? You know, it might be this internal, like, wait, does this actually make sense you know uh if you're trying to find your life partner and you move to you know middle nowhere's bill like population 12 people and you wonder like wait is this a good decision am i actually gonna find anybody if the only you know this city's population is 12 people um so i think i think just like the invitation is like what is your overarching goal like what is your big picture you know if you uh, you know, and, you know, your life ends tomorrow, like, did you get there? Where are you pursuing that? You know, um, I think you keep mentioning it, like, it's like, you know, are we depressed? Because, you know, this is what we want to be doing, or doing absolutely nothing that is aligned with that. And you don't have an opportunity to do anything with that. And you just keep saying no and denying that. Um, I don't know, right? Like, it's time to get curious and ask yourself or journal or have a conversation with a friend. Um, because that's really hugely important Hmm. how we make decisions or don't make decisions and we're still like in that that big goal of what's important to us so that that's the thing that i was thinking the thoughts didn't come out clear at all but it's okay if we're inside of you know oh family's important to me and you're on dating apps and like you're meeting with people who are like you're not really excited about who right. obviously don't align with their values you but don't want family you're just like killing time you know it's like what are you what are you doing yeah. um what am i doing like if i know i'm on a date now it's all right i'm here for this thing and when you can be so clear in your decision making of what you're choosing who you're choosing how you're choosing i think that that makes for a much different kind of life that you end up leading for yourself as well and sometimes like little nudges are what kind of wake us up to that Mm. so we become intentional like we're not just swiping mindlessly because that person looks like they're someone that you'd want to be seen around because i mean ultimately that's what it is like (laughs) is this person attractive but like there's more there's so much more like depth to it if you are looking for your life partner you shouldn't be wasting your time like if you're not excited about going on a date with this person i was listening to the podcast damn i was listening to this one today the jordan harvard show and they were talking about like uh ambivalence (sighs) Oh, yeah, that's a word. What does that mean? Because I meant to Google it before you're I started You're sort of like indifferent. It. Like it's like you, it could go either way and you're just sort of like, oh, yeah. blah, blah, you know, like, yeah. So mm-hmm. she said that the, the guest, um, she studies this kind of stuff and she said like that is what people will end up in relationships and then they'll end up engaged or end up married and they'll be like, yeah, I should have saw this coming or I should have known this wasn't going to work out. And I recognize a lot of ambivalence in people that I speak to who are like disclosing to partners or wanting to be in a relationship with someone. I start asking enough questions. I'm like, y'all ain't even compatible. Like, well, Mm -hmm. but he's such a great guy. That's not enough. 
at all. Well, I think too. I mean, it's interesting because if you're, um, I'm trying to think of like an example. It's like if you know that you only like a certain type of person, but you know when you find that certain type of person, you show up like this certain type of person and you don't like that it's not wifey material it's not your healthiest best side of you um then you know i would invite someone to be curious like if you find someone attraction attractive and then you know their app or whatever profile says some things that are you know matches with your core value to be curious to like go on the date and see like what are some takeaways that you have? Like, what are some points that you recognize? Like, okay, I do like this. I don't like this, right? Because you're constructing and it's back to the, like, if you don't know, if you're not somebody that trusts themselves, if you're realizing, you know, continuing to date this type of person makes you a villain, makes you, you know, Mm. you know, abandon yourself, like then that isn't for you. And that's ultimately not going to be aligned with, you know, the life purpose that you want to have with a person that you want to settle down with or whatever, right? And, you know, if you keep doing that, what is that? Like, that's how you create insanity, right? It's keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting something different. So I think, but to your point is like to bring intention to it. Okay, I've only ever dated this type of person. I'm going to intentionally try a different type of person to learn, like, how does that make things different? The opposite of ambivalence is intention. Oh, right. No, can I say that? I don't know. I, I was just saying. Um, I mean, I think it's just like, you know, ambivalence since we cheated and looked at the dire- the directions. The definition is just like to have contradictory feelings about the same sort of thing. So it's just like. So intention is I have this feeling toward this thing or person. And and when we speak about ambivalence in dating, like that can be applied to life. Ambivalence at your job. Mm-hmm. Ambivalence to some goals mm-hmm. that you might have set. Mm-hmm. Ambivalence to wanting to go and hang with certain people you know like not to say you have to be super duper excited every time that someone invites Mm -hmm. you to hang out and you want to hang out like that doesn't need to be present but having the awareness and the consciousness of the fact that there might be some ambivalence present and then being willing to explore that mm-hmm. that's something that we're not taught to do that's something yeah. that you know we may not be wanting to listen to our own inner voice about um because there are so many external voices that aren't ours pulling us into the direction of decision making that isn't really our decisions to be made so all of this coming back like full circle from the start of the episode just being hey you know having that sort of like guidance to your own inner voice makes more sense to me about like coaching coaches team that environment as someone who has participated in athletics because you know like you're you're in an environment where you're bringing out your own potential like the environment Mm. is conducive to your growth and so having maybe a loss of sense of direction and being able to utilize that that team that like you're not just a coach you're the team you're the staff you're the accountability partner for bringing out the potential within a person which is what i want to share 
um, I have felt that throughout the course of our friendship is like, I you know maybe I don't feel like being something positive for positive people, Courtney, today. And then like you might remind me of something validating my identity as this person that I am to so many other people. And the support that that has given me has allowed for me to be supportive to other people, as well as support this aspect of myself that may have been or may be neglected from time to time. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of Mm -hmm. us struggle with that. Mm -hmm. And so like Mm -hmm. what makes sense to me coaching wise is to use it in that language. Coaching offers the environment to facilitate your own potential Mm-hmm. for um mm-hmm. the volume of your own inner voice now whether or not you act on it and listen to it that's that's a different story well right <laughs> yeah. and i think that that's the that's the thing that you know could be considered quote unquote ugly but ultimately um if you want to compare it to like gym memberships right it's like you go to 24-hour fitness i mean back in the day when i went there it was like 25 bucks a month you know and if you skip a couple days you skip a couple weeks meh it's $25, you know, uh, you go, what was it? Uh, gold's gym. Wasn't that like 150 or something? No, no, mine was like 50. Um, so <laughs> I mean, yoga, not everybody lifetime. does yoga. Lifetime is expensive. Yoga. I mean, even boxing, hundred, $150 a month, right? Like you skip a couple classes and it hurts. You're like, I just wasted a hundred bucks. You slug, get up and do something right. Or whatever. And, and that's sort of the concept with coaching is that it's like, if you get a coach that charges a hundred bucks a month, you miss a session, meh, you know, you don't do your quote unquote homework, meh, like you're not practicing what you talked about, meh, right? You get a coach that's five, nine hundred, a thousand, twelve hundred dollars, you are going to show the hell up. You are not wasting that money, right? Because, um, you know, some people realize like I left to my own devices, I'm a procrastinator. I left to my own devices, like will intake, absorb, and listen, but I won't apply, right? And sometimes it takes, you know, what is that threshold? What is that uncomfortable amount that you can pay someone as a way to hold you accountable to like showing the hell up for yourself? And sometimes that's what it takes, right? Like if you're like in a freak, like an avid, you know, consumer and you consume a book a week or a personal help or a podcast or whatever, and all you do is consume, 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 you might want to consider like, investing a number that is uncomfortable to you but won't break the bank won't break the bank but it'll make you show up and that's unfortunately what it takes for a lot a lot a lot of people and you know it's easy to mock or make fun of you know the industry or the coaching or how much are you going to pay for what but ultimately you know there is our our part of that brain you know our part in our brain that's a survival mechanism whatever you want to call it that is so it's literally put there to keep you safe. It wants you to be comfortable, complacent, just as you are in the predictability, in the known of your existence and how you've always done things. And to challenge that makes it just scream louder. And, um, you know, I think that it's like, what will you do and what do you need to shake things up? And what can you do to hold yourself accountable? And, Maybe it isn't a coach, right? But it's really a practice of shaking up beliefs that you've probably had for 20 some plus years. That's not going to happen overnight. You know, your brain's the thing that made it. 
So it's not going to be undone by the brain that you did create it with on its own, right? And it, and that's, we don't have those conversations. And sometimes it's like, hey, just start practicing having conversations about podcasts with friends and, and meet yourself where you're at in that capacity. Um, but I think only when we feel like we've done, you know, a sufficient amount of investment in ourselves can we get to the point of like, okay, all right. And, and, you know, be willing to challenge your belief systems. You know, if we kept the same thoughts and beliefs that we have when we were seven years old, when we originally created them, like it might be laughable, right? Uh, even me, I mean, the thoughts and beliefs that I had 10 years ago is like, oof, I could not possibly operate in that mindset going forward. And, and I don't know that we really look at the fact that like, we have to, you know, like, computers like phones like have to do software updates right like we gotta download new software we gotta uh and and we're the same we're the same and you know sometimes that means shutting off the computer system that is our existence right like you leave your computer on all the time it runs a little sluggish it runs a little you know funky and and we're the same so I think one of your questions is like realizing that man you know maybe every single year back to back isn't a growth year and an expansive year. It could be a slowdown and, and apply year. It can be a slowdown and recover year. I don't think people are taking into consideration. We just went through a global pandemic. You know, there are profound emotional, physical, you know, maybe somebody can see the physical thing because it's 15 pounds heavier, but there are impacts to all of the things that have happened and all of the things that continue to happen in our government in the U.S. globally, global warming, you know, economically, like the recession. Um, and whether you're conscious to it or not, I mean, that weighs people down. That is heavy. This is heavy stuff. So if you're not operating at your, like, optimal level, like, cut yourself some slack and see what, you know, the gift is there in that. What a phenomenal way of closing this out. Um, if people want to get in touch with you to potentially work with you, how can they contact you? You know, that is a great question that I did not have prepared for myself. (laughs) So thanks. This was not, yeah, this was not about coaching. So, um, uh, I I mean, I'm sure if you want to Instagram Courtney, Courtney can put us connect us um it's funny because i think a lot of people who listen to the podcast don't follow me on instagram oh, a lot of people who follow me on instagram don't listen to the podcast it's oh. it's a very strange yeah I, i've been like looking at that lately oh <laughs> fascinating man um you know i guess i you know i do have a website that i haven't updated in three years thanks how about to the this pandemic. all right here's what yeah. we'll do um, <laughs> if you are interested in connecting with clarice then you just reach out to me hit me up let me know and then yeah. i will connect you however that looks all right um we got about a minute and 20 seconds before this cuts out so do you have any other parting words that you want to leave us with gosh i really think yeah as much as this sounds like an ass kicker, you know, taking into consideration everything that's happening in the world and inside of you, just meeting yourself with like where you're at with compassion and really taking into consideration the gradient, you know, if you're ready for that next level move cross country thing. Awesome. If you're ready to just follow more people or learn more, you know, it's just, we don't, I think we're always just pushing ourselves so hard. And what if it's not so hard, it's just hard enough, you know, just hard enough to make that tiny little change on a regular basis 
and see how over time that that blossoms into a total different journey for our future. Yeah, there's a difference between discomfort and pain and edging along the line of discomfort uh, is one thing, but experiencing like pain of, you know, whatever you can be going through emotionally or physically, mentally, uh, spiritually, you know, that's that's where you want to kind of cut back. So, yeah, ride that wave of discomfort into a new belief system if you are just like not really happy with where you are or if you are recognizing that you're in a lot of ambivalence in your life You've you know start to look, start to look at your intentionality that concludes this episode of something positive for positive people please like rate review subscribe to share this podcast and you can donate uh, via venmo or cash app at courtney brame all one word no letters no numbers till next time stay sex positive